Book of Jeremiah, chapter number 18. Pastor had asked me a couple weeks ago to preach this evening. And up until Friday, I had planned to preach something completely different. And I was telling Brother Kerry this morning after the message, I sat down Friday afternoon to type my notes up, and God said, no, that's not what I want you to preach. But, 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 no, that's not what I want you to preach. He brought my mind back to a thought that I had, a phrase that I'd ran across in my Bible reading two years ago. Jeremiah chapter number 18. We'll start reading in verse number one. If you would stand for the reading of God's word. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, Cannot I do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in mine hand, O house of Israel. At what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck up and to pull down and to destroy it. If that nation against whom I have pronounced turn from their evil, I will repent of the evil that I thought to do unto them. And at what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom, to build and to plant it, if it do evil in my sight, that it not that it obey not my voice, then will I, then I will repent of the good wherewith I said I would benefit them. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I come before you this evening, God utterly unworthy to open your book, let alone to stand here and to preach it. God, I need you. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would speak to each and every heart that's gathered here. Cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, and fill me with your spirit, I pray. Make us less like ourselves and more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to draw your attention again to verse number four and use that as a springboard this evening to the thought that I'd like to bring bring to you all. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make it. The thought that I'd like to bring this evening, the the title, if you would like to give it one, is simply this, recalculating. Most preachers in in the Sword of the Lord camp, which is what my wife and I are part of, most preachers end up signing young men, young preacher boys' Bibles. And they always sign a Bible verse that goes with it. There was a time that I would sign if a young man would come up to me with their Bible. I would sign Ezekiel 22:30. I sought for a man among them to stand in the gap, but I found none. But a couple of years ago, some things happened in mine and my wife's lives, and I felt like I was worthless to God. I felt like I had blown every chance I had of ever serving him. Like there was no way I could ever get back. And it was then that he reminded me of this passage, of this verse specifically. The vessel was marred in the hand of the potter. And he made it again, another vessel. And at that point, that verse changed that I would sign, and it became Jeremiah 18.4. And that thought was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again, is where this phrase, recalculating, comes from. Imagine, if you would, we'll take a little bit of a long way around here to get to the thought, but 
Imagine, if you would, that you're traveling down the road. Perhaps it is that you're going to a destination to which you've never been before. You're going across the country to a new city. Perhaps it is that you're out on new movers visitation, and you're trying to find that one door that's left, that one pin that's left on your map, and you cannot find it. So what do we do? Naturally, we reach for our smartphone, and we pull up Google Maps. Maybe it is you're using the navigation system in your car, whatever, and you plug in the address that you're going to, and it calculates your route. It says, turn left now. You go down further, and it gives you step-by-step step the directions that you need to take to reach that destination. It has specific turns and exits that you must make in order to safely reach that destination correctly. The route doesn't always make sense. It'll make you do a left turn when you think you need to be making a right turn. It doesn't always make sense why the GPS is going that direction. When you don't go the way that it tells you to do, it begins to fuss at you. You are no longer on the fastest route. My personal favorite, if possible, make a legal U-turn now. <laughs> or it will simply begin to say, recalculating, recalculating, recalculating. That GPS has a set will for your travel, for your journey, if you will. Throughout our lives, Brother Kerry this morning mentioned it, and he walked, about, walked across about half of my notes in the process. Now, I love how God does that. That's something that only God can do. But he mentioned how that the will of God is for each and every person. God has a specific will, a plan, for each and every person that comes into existence on this planet. Many of us wander through life stumbling. Why are we here? You have the philosophicals to say, are we even really here, man? But God put us here with a plan and a purpose. The book of Esther, Mordecai tells her, you're here for such a time as this. For each and every Christian, God desires for us to be conformed to the image of his son. For those that have never trusted Christ, the Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He has a will for us, and his will is specific for our lives. The book of Jeremiah, chapter number 29 God is speaking to the nation of Israel. He says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, thoughts of good and not of evil, to give you an expected end. He has a plan for our lives if we are willing to follow after him. The Bible says in the book of Psalms that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. The Bible says in Proverbs, commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. Jeremiah in another passage says, It is not in man that walketh rather to direct his steps. God has laid out before each and every one of us a path that we are to walk in. Brother Nick, I'm going to take this green mic here because I like to wander. But he has laid out for us a specific will that he has for us to walk in. He doesn't want us to stumble blindly in the darkness. Lord, I'm, I'm searching for your will, but I can't find it. I can't find it right now. Whoa, oh, where is it? We're not to be blind men walking in the darkness. He's given us his word so that we can find his will. But beyond even the specifics of what is shown in God's will, he has a specific plan for each and every life that is born. For me, it was to be born into the Tannis household on May 5th, 1992, to grow up and to go to Shepherd's Hall Baptist Church at the age of four, where for the first time in my life I would hear the gospel. Time would pass 
And I would meet a young lady. You sure are pretty. Will you marry me? And his will for our life was to wed and to grow closer together. Each and every person, your path and your his will for you is different than my, his will for my life. Yet for each and every person, he has that distinct will if we are willing to follow him. However, many times we tend to wander off God's will. Like that vessel in the hand of the potter that was marred. Many times we throw away what God desires to have for us. And we go chasing after the things that we desire. We say, Lord, we, we know that your will is best for us. We know you're our heavenly father. We know that you have the very best in mind. The Bible speaks to the children of Israel that he has spied out through all the world the very best land for them and he gave it to them. And yet they kept wanting to throw it away and go back to Egypt. We are the same way in our Christian walks and lives. Lord, we know you've got the very best for us. We believe that. And yet, as soon as our foot hit the bed, or foot hits the floor outside of the bed, we start going our own path. We wander away from what God has for us. But the problem is that God's will is unique to each and every life. There is no one else that can do the will of God for your life. There are people within your life that you can reach that I can never reach. And the same goes for me. There are people that I talk to on a daily basis, my coworkers, that some of you may never interact with, that some of you may never see. It is God's will for my life to be a witness and a testimony at Veritive in the workplace there. There's difference in gifts and abilities that God gives to us. Not everyone is able to sit there and play the piano. Not everyone is able to sing. But some of you have artistic abilities that far outmatch anything I could ever do. And God's will for your life, perhaps, is to use that. I know Sister Tracy does a lot of the crafts around here for Vacation Bible School and for the different events. Perhaps it is that God's will is to use some talent that he's given you that you've kept hidden, perhaps buried in the backyard somewhere in a cloth, to bring it out and to use it for his glory. But God's will is perfect for your life as well. We use the phrase or the verse all the time. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are the called, that are called according to his purpose. Whenever things start going in wrong in our lives, we say, well, we know this too shall pass and all things work together for good. Not to belittle the things that go wrong within our lives or the tragedies that may have befallen, but truly all things do work together for good. God has a plan and a purpose and a design in allowing those things to pass. Again, it may not make sense why he tells us to make a left turn when we want to go right. But God knows what he's doing. God's will is perfect for his life, for our lives. God's will expects certain things from us. There are certain things that within the word of God, it clearly states, this is the will of God concerning you. The Bible says, book of Ecclesiastes, to fear God and keep keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. There are specific instances where he says, go ye therefore and teach all nations. Be ye holy, for I am holy. Come out from among them. There are specific things that the word of God tells us to do. We don't have to ask, Lord, is it your will for me to get up and to live for you today? Or should I get up and dress like one of the Kardashians? That's not something that we have to ask about. Black and white, come out from among them and be separate. The Holy Spirit 
whenever we stray from what God's will is for us, he chases after us. Just like that GPS that's fussing, saying, hey, you made a wrong turn. You need to get back on track. You're going the wrong way. The Holy Spirit knocks on our heart saying, hey, stupid, listen up. That's not the path that I have for you. This is not my will. Listen, turn back. And yet many times I fear that we sear our own conscience and quench the spirit of God. And we keep wandering on down that path. But God recalculates his will for us. In his grace and his mercy, he knows that we are sinners. Not to justify our sin. The Bible says in Romans 6, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. But in his infinite wisdom, he knew that we are sinners and that we are going to mess up. And so he saw fit to send his son to die in our place. And he sees fit to make it to where we can still serve him despite what we've done. I think Peter, three times he denied the Lord. And yet we see him just a few weeks later, standing at Pentecost, preaching as the Holy Spirit fell and 3,000 men were saved. I think of Abraham, the friend of God. But Abraham had a little bit of a lying problem. But God recalculated his will and he was his will for Abraham. And he still became the father of the nations. My personal hero in the Bible, I don't know if you all do it, but I like to look at my life compared to some of the people in Scripture. My personal hero outside of Christ is King David. The man after God's own heart. The sweet psalmist of Israel. But David had his sin as well. Saddest chapter in all the, all of the Word of God, in my opinion, when he commits adultery with Bathsheba. But there was the Psalm 51 moment as well. He didn't stay there. God recalculated his will. He sent Nathan the prophet and said, Thou art the man. And David said, You know what? You're right. I screwed up. I humbly now acknowledge my transgressions. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. And God recalculated his will and still after all of that wrote in his word that he was the man after God's own heart. With us as Christians, we have a recalculated will when we sin. God's will for us if if we're living in sin is first of all to get right. He doesn't want us to continue in sin again. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. He wants us to get things right and then begin living for him once again. I see, first of all, the promise of the recalculated will. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 1 that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God makes us a promise that if we are his child and we wander out into sin, that there is a man between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. There's a mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, that he's willing to fix that relationship. He's willing to say, hey, Father, yes, they messed up. But they're trying to make it right. They're repenting of the sin that they've done and they want to serve you once again. This verse may sound like a slightly strange verse to use in this instance, and I don't intend to take it out of context, but simply to apply it a little bit different way. If my people 
which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. I understand the context of that, the implications of it being to the nation of Israel. But also, are we not as Christians called by his name? When we wander out in sin, the path to revival is to humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways. And he promises that he'll hear from heaven, forgive our sin and heal our land. For the Christian that has wandered away, what is that land that he is healing? Our walk with him? Our fellowship with him? Perhaps it is that family relationships have been struggling because of our sin. He'll heal our land. I see not only the promise of the recalculated will, but also the power of the recalculated will. The recalculated will of God shows the grace of God that he would take a sinner that has messed up so horribly despite what he's done and forgive him and set him back on the path. That he would take someone that sinned against him and use him to stand before you. It amazes me. The recalculated will of God shows that you can reach people that are involved in the same things perhaps that you once were. You don't jump back in the mud hole with them. But you can show them, say, hey, I know what it's like. I was there. I know what it's like to struggle with that. I know the temptations that come from that. I know the thought processes that go along with that. But let me tell you of a God that can change that. Let me tell you of a God that can take you from where you are now, that can meet you where you are and lift you up out of that miry clay and set your feet upon the rock and establish your goings and put a new song in your mouth. The power of the recalculated will shows the greater love for the Christian that has his will God's will recalculated for his life than the love that he had for his Savior once before. You say, Brother Sam, what do you mean? Christ tells the parable of two debtors, both of which were forgiven by their master. But Christ asks the question, which of them loved him more? And the answer was him that was forgiven the most. Anyone that's been forgiven of sin loves their Savior. But to wander back out into sin again and be forgiven again, been forgiven more. Again, not... I, I hate for... It seemed like I'm glorifying sin tonight, and that's not the intention. But God can and will recalculate his will for us if we're willing to turn back from that sin. But I also see that for the recalculated will, there is a penalty. If we follow God's will from start to finish, God saves us and he sets us on that path. And we're walking along, following the Lord. Witnessing to people as we go, leading them to Christ. And then all of a sudden, we leave off the will of God. And we start walking away. We might come back to the will of God. But during that process, how many people did not get reached? During that process, how many people were hurt because of the things that we did? How many people did we turn away from Christ? In our sin and in our bondage. Because we were following after our own will. Instead of the will of the Father, there is a penalty for the recalculated will. Perhaps the price of a recalculated will, or the penalty rather, if you would, 
is being disqualified from what God's perfect will for your life was. The Bible sets clear standards in the word of God for certain offices within the church. The office of a pastor, specifically in deacon. Perhaps it is the will of God for your life was to be a pastor or to be a deacon. And you got out into sin, you got married, and you got divorced, and you married another woman. You're now disqualified from that office by Scripture. But God is willing to still use you. God can still recalculate His will for you. It just won't be the same as what it was. There's a penalty for that recalculated will. On Judgment Day, when we stand before the throne of God, there will be a penalty for our recalculated will as well. The book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 3 says, If any man build upon this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. Where does that wood, hay, and stubble come from? From our time out of the will of God. On that day, those works will be burned up. And it says that every man will suffer loss. Not loss in the sense of his salvation, but loss of rewards. Perhaps not having that crown to cast at Christ's feet of following after him and leading some soul to Christ that went unreached because we went out of the will of God. There's also the penalty of memories that haunt you. One of the names for Satan in the word of God is the accuser of the brethren. And he's very good at his job. He loves to come back up to us after we've repented of our sin and say, yeah, I know who you really are. I know what you did. You remember that day 15 years ago when you stole that candy bar off the shelf? All that way ago. You thought no one was watching. I saw. I remember. And he'll bring up that memory and haunt us. And there's a penalty for the recalculated will. But if you're here this evening and you are, I want to give you hope. There is that recalculated will. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed as Miss Connie comes to the piano there to play. Let me ask you this evening. What is God's will for your life? Is it a recalculated will? If you're not saved in a crowd even this size, I'm sure there could be one or two perhaps that has never trusted Christ as their Savior. Let me tell you that the will of God for your life, if you have not already, is to trust Him. If you're living in sin, His will is for you to repent and to come back home. Perhaps it is that you're not the prodigal son. You've stayed home all these years. His will is for you to stay right. And if God's will has been recalculated in your life, His will is for you to stay right as well. As Miss Connie begins to play.